Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The psalmist says, The entrance of your words give light, and they impart understanding to the simple. Today's topic is waiting for the third temple. You know, there are a lot of people who are expectantly waiting for a third temple to be built in Jerusalem. They build their prophetic idea around that, and they look for signs that a temple is being constructed. But I think this is a misreading of the Word of God, and I want to share why, because the third temple has already come. The third temple was the temple that came in Jerusalem around the year 30 to 33 A.D., The temple came in the name of a person, and that person is Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of God. Let's think about the temples briefly today. The tabernacle was the first temple, but the tabernacle, you see, was a tent. It was a tent with precious objects and furniture inside of it, but here resided the presence of God, And here the priest came to minister before Yahweh. We read about the dedication of the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40. There are great details given about the construction of the tabernacle and the construction of every piece of furniture, exactly where it should be placed and how it should be used. Great details. But we know the reality of the tabernacle came later when it was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, the tabernacle was a place of God's consecrated presence in the midst of a people that he had chosen and now he had redeemed from Egyptian slavery. He constituted them his special people that through them would come the Messiah. So when the Messiah came, all that was prefigured by the tabernacle came to fulfillment. We find these words in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that Word translated that to came and dwelt among us as he tabernacled among us. So the Word, which was God, what we call the second person of the Trinity, or the eternal Son, he became human through the womb of the Virgin Mary. And when he did so, His deity and humanity were together. They were joined in a union that we can't understand, remaining distinct from one another, and yet one person, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah of God, who is fully God and fully man. So in him came to pass what the prophets foretold in Isaiah and was repeated by Matthew when the angel tells Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as his wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And when he is born, he is to be named Yeshua, that is, salvation of Jehovah, salvation of Yahweh. And Emmanuel, interpretation of that name, meaning God with us. So the tabernacle, Exodus chapter 40. Well, the tabernacle was succeeded in the days of the kings, specifically King David and Solomon, by the temple, 
Now, David was not allowed to build it, but he, he assembled all the materials and everything, he helped draw up all the plans, but his son Solomon, who sat on the throne after him, is the one who had the temple constructed. Now, God moves from a tent dwelling into a dwelling that's made of marble and precious stones and gold, precious fabrics. It's a glorious building for the residence of God. The residence of Yahweh among his people Israel. Here is where God's concentrated presence was, and here is where the worship of God was to take place through the priesthood and the people who gathered there at the various festivals of the year. When the temple was dedicated in 1 Kings chapter 8, the Shekinah glory of God, the glory of Yahweh came and filled the temple so that the priests were not able to minister because of the concentration of the glory of God in the midst. But this temple was the one that was destroyed hundreds of years later. It was destroyed by the Babylonians. And so when the Babylonians came, the temple was destroyed. It was raised. It was burned and lowered to the ground, and the people were taken into captivity. Some of the people were left in the land, and they mingled with other people in the land. But the Hebrew people, for the most part, were away in Babylon and for 70 years until King Cyrus gave a command that they could return to the land. And so a remnant, a small group of them, returned to the land. And they began to build the temple again. They began to build the temple under Zerubbabel, who was of royal descent. And so Zerubbabel had a tent, the temple built, and then it was dedicated in Ezra chapter 6. It says uh, there, And the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. And they offered all kinds of animals. But what's missing is that there was no manifestation of the glory of God coming to fill this second temple. Now, this is the same temple that Herod later will expand. He will spend many years, oh, approximately uh, maybe 60-something years, building on this temple, expanding it, making it larger, and that temple was finally finished in 63 A.D., just seven years before it was destroyed by the Romans. And so we have the tabernacle indwelt by the presence of God. At the dedication, the Shekinah glory of God came down. We have the first temple, the one under Solomon. Again, the great glory of God came down and filled that temple. And then after the Babylonian captivity, we have a temple built again at God's direction, but the glory of God, the Shekinah presence of God does not come into that temple as he had in the past. This is the temple that was in Jerusalem and that Jesus ministered in, that Jesus visited, and that Jesus cleansed at least twice in his ministry, the last time in the week of his crucifixion. So here we have God's tabernacle, God's temple. And then we come to the prophetic scriptures which talk about a future temple. And so I direct your attention uh, to 
the book of Ezekiel in chapter 47. Here we have what we be called the third temple. It says, Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the threshold of the temple and south of the altar. And next he brought me out by way of the north gate that led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced east. There the water was trickling from the south side. And the man went out east with a measuring line in his hand. He measured off a third of a mile and he led me through the water. He came up to my ankles and then he measured off a third of a mile and led me through the water. He came up to my knees He measured off another third of the mile and led me through the river and he came up to my waist. Again, he measured off a third of a mile and it was a river that I could not cross on foot for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be crossed on foot. He asked me, do you see this son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the riverbank. He said to me, the water flows out to the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swims will live wherever the river flows, and there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside it from Engedi to Eglam. There will become places where nets are spread out to dry. The fish will consist of many different kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Yet its swamps and its marshes will not be healed, for they will be left for salt. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit, because the water comes from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be used for eating, and their leaves for healing. This is the prophecy of Ezekiel. And then he goes into great detail about the measurements of this temple. In fact, you can almost become weary reading all of the details Ezekiel gives. Well, what is the meaning of this prophetic statement? Is he really describing the building of a new edifice? Or is this a prophetic temple that speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his work. Now, I present to you that that is the proper interpretation of Ezekiel's vision. You see, so often we, we approach the scriptures with a wrong hermeneutic. We, we decide that everything has to be directly in the order that is coming. But you see, God gave his revelation progressively It moves from his early movement in history and revelation all the way to its climax, which is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must read the Old Testament scriptures in light of their fulfillment in the person of Jesus and of the interpretation of the events of Jesus' life and of his person that are given to us in the apostolic writings of the New Testament. I'm saying we must interpret the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. This is the hermeneutic we should follow. The Old Covenant and its ordinances must be understood in light of the New Covenant that Christ himself establishes. If we go at it a different way, we can come up with many different doctrines. Some of them are a little strange. But do we have proof that this is what he's talking about? 
Well, let's go into the New Testament and see the words of Jesus himself that speak about this water. Did you notice in Ezekiel 47 that the water is life-giving water? That everywhere the water turns, there is life and life and abundance. Perhaps you remember this story. It's given to us in John chapter 4. A woman from Samaria came to draw water in the middle of the day. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For you see, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They considered them unclean, a people that had been compromised by intermarriage with pagans around. He answered her, listen to his words. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and he drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now the conversation goes on. And she comes to understand that he's a prophet. So she asks him the theological question of the day. Where's the proper place to worship? And Jesus gives those famous words. You worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not the building. It's the people's mind, heart, and spirit. And it's him. He's the one through whom we worship God. Or John chapter 7. You see, Jesus comes back to this concept of water again on the last day of the feast. Now, this is the great day. This is the feast of dedication, by the way. Jesus stood up. He cried out. This is in the middle of Jerusalem in a feast day. There are thousands and thousands of people around. And he, he stands up so he can be heard by all. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks these words. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, where do the scriptures say that? It says in Ezekiel. It says it also in Jeremiah. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet... The Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, there's more about that than John chapter 14, 15 and 16, where Jesus talks about the coming of the Spirit and his life-giving ministry to people as he opens up their understanding to who Jesus is and joins them by faith to the living Christ, who is the living temple of God. Well, lastly, I would point you to Revelation 21 through 22, verse 5. This is the picture of the reconstructed or the new earth and the new heaven. This is the picture of the end time, 
of the new setup that God will bring about at the consummation of all things. And John is granted a vision of it. And here's what he said. I saw no temple in the city, the new Jerusalem. Why? For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And this city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of the God gives it light. And its Lamb is the light. By its light will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, for nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me, listen, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, And also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. Endeavor. Now that's the temple. That's the temple Ezekiel is talking about. That's the temple that points to the living temple, Jesus Christ himself, who said that his body was the temple of God. And when he was glorified and sent his Holy Spirit by the union of the Spirit, bringing alive people and joining them to Christ, they too become inhabited by the same Spirit, and they become living stones in the spiritual temple that God is building in the earth. This is his consummation. In the Revelation, we have the temple. We don't need to be looking for a third physical structure in Jerusalem to understand that Christ is coming again. He's promised to return, and when he returns... He will set everything right. We will be in the new Jerusalem and we'll be waiting in the water, the living water of God himself. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.